Hello, everybody. Happy New Year, and welcome back to another episode of Teen Junior Talks, the podcast where we discuss the latest feats in engineering and technology. My name is Chris Arora, and I'm joined today with my co-host, Siddhant Kumar, and our guests, Satvik and Aryan. Today, we'll be talking about 2022's Consumer Electronics Show. So to start it off, let's talk about this year's eyewear advancements. Probably one of the most influential advan- advancements that I saw was brought by Mojo Vision Smart Contacts. So in 2020, we looked at their prototype, which was still in the early stages, but this technology will revolutionize technological advancements in both lenses and glasses. So what I noticed was these contacts show notifications and they serve as a teleprompter and they're more helpful to those with poor vision who aren't able like to see a phone from further distances. And it's right in your eye, which is just something we've never seen before. Yeah, that was actually really interesting. I saw something pretty similar with TCL smart glasses. And similar to the previous one, it was essentially a piece of glass that was really close to your eyes, which is uh, which brings up the question, could it be detrimental to our eyesight? And could it, could it cause dizziness and other side effects? But besides that, for the TCL smart glasses, it comes with two 1080p micro organic LED lenses and is charged through USB-C. And it's designed to replicate a 140 inches screen in front of your face, but it's minuscule just so your eyes can see it. Honestly, I don't know if this will solve like very well in the market because like glasses are very close to your eyes and they're uh, made to mimic a what a tv screen or something like a theater screen and i don't know how most people will view this because if something is very close to your eye then it's most likely to cause eyesight damage and the base price i noticed it was 700 dollars which is as much as you could get a pretty high TV or a nice smartphone. So do you guys think that people will really buy this device? Honestly, yeah, because $700, especially for the tech we're seeing nowadays, is really not too bad because a lot of the new iPhones are like well over $1,000 and it's commonplace. You know, a lot of people walk around with uh, iPhone 11, 12, you know. Yeah. So $700 for this kind of technology, like a really new, uh, interesting kind of technology, I think people will buy it. Yeah, I feel like in the beginning, people will buy it to see like what the craze is all about, what's new in this year that's happening. But right. as as it goes on, sales might go lesser when people start to notice all the defects. Yeah, I mean, well, obviously, while the early iterations of any product, you know, even the Z Flip or any folding mm-hmm. phone, those are always really high in price. And only the early adopters, like tech reviewers or people who are really invest in the technology buy it. I don't think a lot of, you know, average consumers will buy this right off the bat, but I think as the years progress, the price will decrease and it'll become more mainstream. But right now, probably not this year, it won't sell that well, in my opinion. And I feel like in the upcoming years, more dupes will come out with cheaper glasses that have the same functions, maybe not be as advanced as these glasses are. But I think people, if they're going to buy something like this, they'd rather buy a cheaper version. And I feel like they'd rather buy the glasses as well than the contacts because sticking an electronic chip inside of your eye, I feel like that is what's going to scare most people. 
Right, exactly. And I think I think so too. I think the glasses are much more, you know, non-invasive. And so that'll probably be much more comfortable as well. So yeah, we'll definitely see more of those. Yeah, speaking of being non-invasive, I also noticed there was compact VR glasses from Panasonic. And these VR glasses, they were really geared toward a teenage audience. And you could use Steam and they would actually ship for less than $900. And I just wanted to know what you guys thought about these VR glasses. Honestly, I don't, I feel like if people were to buy a glasses, like a technological piece of glasses, they would either buy smart glasses or context VR. It's more of a dying market right now. And for $900, I feel like you could get something much better. Yeah, honestly, yeah. I don't know if VR is a dying market because uh, we can do plenty of practical stuff with it. But I think the main issue is, yeah, the price, $900 is a lot for something like mm -hmm. this. But if they're gearing VR, this, though, yeah, go ahead. I feel like if they're gearing this towards a more medical side yeah. to visualize like bone structures or tissue, I feel like that would be a much better area to market their devices. But as I said, it's for teenage audience for gaming. I feel like people like there's still is people that will buy it, but I don't think it will sell as much in this market. Right. Yeah. Especially with like the influx of like multiplayer games, you know, not really mm -hmm. single player story based games. I feel like for story based games and single player games where it's only you and your world, I feel like VR would make sense. But I feel like for multiplayer games where you're trying to make really precise and quick movements, especially in like. Uh, whether it be first-person shooters or even RPGs, I feel like VR is just not feasible for those kind of games, which are the more popular games. So I feel like VR doesn't even make sense for gaming. Oh, VR yeah, could also be seen as like a core component, like in the shift towards the metaverse. Um, it's like a digital universe that's like hyped by different tech tech companies like um, Meta and Microsoft. Um, so like that combines elements of VR and like augmented reality. Um, so that could be like another. Um, another use for VR, not just gaming. Yeah, well, that is I feel crazy. like if they like marketed this towards that type of market, then it would be much better. But they weren't when they were talking about it, it was more specifically towards a gaming market. But otherwise, from eyewear, I think the most like improvements and advancements that I saw for this year was in home advancements. Like one of the like things I saw first was AirThings Pollution Viewer device. So for $300, I feel like this is pretty useful for homes. Like it's a middle price for a home improvement device and it allows users to detect stuff like city smog to wild smoke, wildfire smoke occurring in their area. Like for us in California, I know we went through a lot of city fires and a lot of those occur recently. So I feel like a lot of people will be more inclined to buy this device. And that's actually true, especially with like COVID and all the respiratory issues going mm -hmm. on to people. I feel like uh, knowing what your own uh, home air quality is provides like a nice peace of mind, especially for those who are quarantining. Yeah, exactly. Right, I agree too. And I think the main thing about this which is so nice is that it's only 299 which yeah you said yeah you said it's middle price mm -hmm. and it's it's really useful especially for places like california and all which are super wildfire prone because just what was it like two years ago where mm -hmm. 
we had to evacuate it because yeah. of that fire near here. So those things are pretty commonplace here. So having something like that to check the air quality is really useful. And yeah, I thought it was cool. And it also said that uh, they could track the particle size so they could tell which ones are most likely to cause allergic reactions or trigger respiratory issues. So I feel like this will be a huge plus for people with allergic reactions to dust. And another thing that I noticed that they brought this year, um, Ring, they brought a glass breaking sensor. So like the name says, this new sensor can detect, can detect glass breaking from up to 25 feet away. And this, it has a pretty low price of one for $40, or you could put two in your house for $70. So this, I feel like, was one of the bigger advancements as more people who don't want to spend around two, three hundred for a smart camera with a microphone, they would buy this just so they know that they're secure in their house. Yeah, I feel like no having that sensor is really a plus for your home. But the caveat for this is that uh, in CES, they stated that you need a Ring Alarm or a Ring Alarm Pro to mm -hmm. combine the sensor with. So it's really like a ecosystem kind of thing. You see the same thing with Apple. So if you're already in the ecosystem, it's really great. You all have it on one app and all your sensors, you can check the status, you can check your cameras, you can check everything. But if you're just making your way into the market for Ring, it's really hard to break into that with just this glass break sensor. Right. So hopefully what they can do is they can not do what people like Apple or companies like Apple are doing and make it a whole ecosystem uh, system. Where if they just made it an individual thing that you can buy, I think they would probably see a lot of people buying this because it's really cheap. One for $40 or two for $70. And it's uh, cost-wise, it's definitely worth it. And it's, like you said, it's much better than spending, say, 200 300 for a ring doorbell, where if you don't want the camera and the microphone feature, this can be good enough. Yeah, exactly. There's not that many people in the market who are looking to buy first a ring camera, the subscription for it, and then also um, a glass breaking sensor on top of that. I feel like if they just limited to just allowing this piece of tech technology to be sold separately, they would sell much more. But the thing is, it's it's like a weird dilemma where if you don't buy the subscription service or you don't buy all of the related tech around it, you don't get the full capabilities. For example, like the glass break sensor, right? If you have the company's subscription service, which is called Ring Protect Pro, if the, if glass is broken or if the sensor detects anything, it'll automatically request emergency responders to like come to the location of the sensor. But if you don't have that subscription, knowing that the glass is broken, it's good for the consumer, but it doesn't actually do anything without that subscription. So I feel like this kind of ecosystem is really, really impossible to break into without getting all of the products. Yeah. Another thing that they added this year was smart vacuums. So we saw a lot of smart vacuums before, but Samsung and TLC, they both decided to introduce their own smart vacuums. They're more lightweight, they have a longer battery life, and they're cordless, which I guess is a big plus for people with larger homes or have two stories. They won't have to worry about a cord dangling around. Um, may I ask something? Um, what is like a smart vacuum itself? Like, what is the difference between a smart vacuum and just like a normal vacuum that like everyone has in their house? I feel like for this one, it's the cordless feature that they added. So you won't 
It'll be much more easy to use around the house and with a battery-operated vacuum. Uh, it'll be much more lightweight. So it's kind of like a wireless vacuum. Yeah, essentially. Also, yeah, just to answer your question, I'm pretty sure a smart vacuum is kind of like, you know, how we've seen Roombas, where you don't need to do anything. It can uh, scan the area and go ahead by itself. Yeah, uh, and so that combined with the cordless would make it even more powerful. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, the thing that makes it really, really smart is if you buy the Samsung vacuum cleaner, you can combine it on one app with other larger appliances, such as, you know, the Samsung washer, the Samsung dryer, along with the Samsung AI dial, along with the Samsung refrigerator. And then you get the same ecosystem kind of a situation where you can monitor all your devices on one app and you can, you know, see how much battery the vacuum has or how full the tank of dust is in the vacuum. So that's really what makes it smart. One thing that I saw, but I don't know how this will sell, it's a smart bird feeder. Oh, Buddy Bird introduced it, introduced a smart bird feeder with a camera on it, and this will identify different bird species and fun facts about them whenever they're visible on the camera. So how do you guys think this will do? I mean, I feel like this is just one of those, like, almost like a gimmick tech device i mean it's pretty cool but it's certainly not practical yeah so, especially with the 200 price tag yeah. i don't think this is a good thing that will sell very much yeah i mean the well, yeah go ahead oh yeah well obviously they're you know targeting a very specific niche demographic of people they're not going to try to like spread it to every single person right. i feel like they know who their consumers are and personally i do think they because they know who they're like market value and like they know who they're trying to sell to i feel like they'll have a good impact because not only does this uh, bird buddy bird feeder not only can you see the birds through the camera you can also identify the bird through the uh, connected app and it's almost like gamified because in the app you can you can like identify birds and like quote unquote collect them and you can unlock the bird and learn, learn more about the bird so i feel like it's it could be worthwhile if you're really into that kind of thing. That gamification aspect is actually really interesting. Like, I feel like there's a lot of potential that could go on with that. Like, um, it has like it could have like a good environmental impact because if people are trying to like uh, compete with each other to get more birds to like feed at their um, um, at their bird feeder, then like um, it could it could probably help the bird populations. Maybe like um, Bird Buddy could make endangered bird species more valuable or more yeah. coveted. Um, like bird species so that could maybe help bird populations increase back to normal yeah i think the cool thing about this is not the actual product itself but the technology that they have that they're able to identify bird species and like even show facts about them all that it's definitely very useful not not just for identifying birds which is kind of a niche thing like you guys i'm sure we can use this technology for all sorts of different regions that's true, but do you guys think it will sell for around two hundred dollars? I mean, that's a pretty high tag. I think it depends on like all the features it has. Um, so like for the since it's like a smart bird feeder, is there anything it like offers besides just like a camera that identifies birds? Is like the actual like feeding mechanism itself like also? Yeah, that's also mechanized. Yeah, besides a mechanized feeding mechanism, you can also share live views with family and friends. And the battery should last around 30 days. And speaking of uh, 
the concerns about how many people will uh, purchase this item. It was actually a Kickstarter project when it originally uh, began. So the Kickstarter was hugely popular, which is the reason why it became a real product. So I feel like it already has the support uh, necessary. And going back to what Aryan said, I found that really interesting. That was actually a really good idea. Like if they could somehow in the software make certain endangered birds really quote unquote valuable, that could actually make uh, people incentivized to like have these bird feeders and like collect them. And if you think about it, that's pretty much Pokemon Go, you know, to quote unquote find these creatures and capture them. Yeah, so not only are they giving a new way to feed birds and find different birds, but they're also allowing a more game-like feature for consumers to have. The next thing that I saw, one of the more important features and one of the more important advancements, we've seen a bunch of smart cameras like Ring or other doorbells. But um, this smart camera, this smart camera by UFI Security, um, it has two cameras on it. So one is at the top and then one is at the bottom for the package. So for pe I think this will sell more for people who do not already have a smart doorbell with a camera on it because this will be kind of like their first device outside but also it has one camera to detect if their package is there if they ordered something online because i know especially where i live there have been quite a lot of package thefts and people can see like the people who are stealing them they obviously have like a hood or something covering their face and um they can't really detect if people come and steal a package or are just coming to ring their bell. Now, that's actually a great point. And at the at the CES event, UFI actually claimed that its AI can identify packages and even distinguish between family and friends versus strangers. So I feel like, especially with that downward facing camera, it's really useful to know if a stranger comes near your door and then the package is suddenly gone, or if a friend or family comes near the door and the package uh, appears or disappears, you can really like piece together the story you need to see with uh, both of these cameras along with the AI. Yeah, it also said that it's battery powered, so you don't need to hardware it to your doorbell or anything. So. Yeah, and UFI also at the event, they boasted a, a lot of great specs. And they said it has this camera or this uh, doorbell has a lot of detection capabilities, including radar and a passive infrared motion sensor to make sure that one, you never miss any visitors. And two, to make sure that if someone is walking past your house, it doesn't count as, you know, someone was at your doorbell. So I feel like this is a pretty solid product and it could be a really big competitor with other uh, smart doorbells such as Ring. So why would someone like choose to buy this product from UFI instead of just like a ring doorbell? Um, because like I see like the uh, notifying you when a package is uh, arrived or stolen. That could be useful, but like um, a lot of uh, like services that deliver packages, they'll notify you themselves once the package is delivered. And uh, as for this, this the stealing part of it, um, if you're like uh, outside of home and like you get a notification that your package is stolen, I don't think there's actually much you could do. Um, and when you when you come home and like look for the package, you'll realize you'll realize it would it's missing anyways. So um, why would someone buy this product instead of like a ring doorbell? I think the only advantage is that, uh, yeah, 
you said it that uh, if it if the package is delivered, they most uh, shipping companies tell you that it's delivered. But I guess the only advantage would be that uh, if you realize that it's stolen and somehow there's something you could do about it. Because you're right. Say you're on a vacation or something and you get a package and then you get a notification that it's stolen, right? You can't, there's nothing you can do. You cannot go and chase into or anything like that. But say, for example, you're at home and then you get the notification. Like say, for example, you forget to bring the package in and then you get the notification that it's stolen. Then there is something you can do. So I think it's kind of a specific circumstance. And because of that, I would say it may not be worth it just because of the price compared to a regular ring doorbell. Yeah, the price for this one, it's around $260, which is a little higher. Like there are doorbells that you could get for around 100 but it's for people who, I feel like this will be most useful for people who aren't too far from home and they like get the notification that their package is there. They could either notify someone else to pick it up for them or go home themselves. But there, as Arian said, there's already different, like the apps will tell you exactly when your package is there. So I don't know how useful this will really be. Yeah, and going back to Arian's question, I feel like the main selling point for this doorbell compared to other competitor doorbells such as Ring, I feel like it's just the the supposed AI that they're implementing with this. The AI can apparently detect between strangers, family, and friends. So I feel like then at least you can attempt to identify the person who stole your package. I mean. You're right. No one can do anything. If they stole it, you only know once you come back home or once you get the notification. But at least with this doorbell, you can at least attempt to identify that person. Another thing that this doorbell adds, one thing that this brand has that a bunch of others is that it doesn't require subscription. And it has 16 gigabytes of storage for you to save any video or save video from um, the, pre- the day or previous day. And this doesn't require any monthly subscription or whatever. And it can also act as a Wi-Fi extender and a chime. So I feel like people will be more inclined to buy this one and just spend a chunk $260 than pay what the price for a subscription is for a ring doorbell. Oh, I actually didn't really know that you didn't need a subscription. I feel like yeah. that's that's a huge selling point because in my household, we have a ring. And we don't have the subscription service. So what happens is the ring will, it'll, it's always recording what happens, right? And we can get a live cam from anywhere just from our phones, but it doesn't save any of the recordings. So if you want to see who came in front of our house, we can't see it after the fact that it happened. But especially with this AI that can recognize people and since it records, this should be really useful for tracking down who came to your house at what time, especially since it's recorded. Mm-hmm. So another thing, apart from home advancements, there were quite a bit of automotive advancements. So an Italian car company, Team Polymove, showed up with their self-driving F1 racing car and they set the world record speed for the fastest autonomous vehicle at 185 kilometers per hour. Yeah, I think that's extremely promising actually. Uh, I think this uh, this whole field, self-driving cars, is going to be a huge thing in the future. Like, I'm I would be willing to bet that uh, after college and stuff, when we grow older, we'll probably see these things, and they'll probably be commonplace in the world, just because it has so many benefits, right? Like, 
for example, probably one of the biggest ones is, of course, safety. Because if uh, an AI can react faster than a human ever could. And another one would be, uh, for example, traffic. Like if all the self-driving cars are able to communicate in some way or collaborate together, then cars would be able to weave in between each other without a traffic editor. So yeah, I think all of these advancements in self-driving cars are huge. And so definitely a good thing to look out for. Yeah, especially after seeing Tesla's self-driving feature, I feel like a lot of cars are going to try to implement their own software in their upcoming cars, especially electric cars. So this will be a promising new market for everyone. Yeah, I mean, besides the ri- rise of EVs, I feel like self-driving, there's a lot of there's a lot of doubt around that because while it's super promising and a lot of people are adopt, adopt, adopting it, I feel like there's always there's always situations where the human intellect or the human like decision making and like human emotion rules over AI. And I feel like that can really be reflected on the road. Go ahead. There are also like moral dilemmas with like uh, autonomous vehicles. Like uh, sometimes like a car like has no choice, but he has to hit something. Like either he can endanger the driver of the car, he can endanger like pedestrians or other drivers. Um, so that that I think that is slowing down the rollout of like autonomous vehicles a lot because um, people basically have to like try to value one human's life over another, which is really um, difficult to do. Yeah, exactly. Especially if the AI is tasked with, you know, not crashing or protecting its driver, it can be hard to it can be hard for the AI to crash into something at the cost of something else. So I agree that's a really good point, which is why AI is probably hindered a lot. But if it's not those scenarios, I feel like uh, I feel like technologies such as Tesla and other self-driving uh, capabilities are really promising for the future. Yeah, so another thing from Volvo and Honda's aspect, they demonstrated interest in the product with their EV cars with Vernalt. And I also noticed that NVIDIA improved on their Drive Orin SOC, which is a self-driving car chip for intelligent vehicles. And this allows for higher levels of autonomous vehicles. Yeah, and a lot of car a lot of car companies such as Volvo they're planning to integrate both the Qualcomm, uh, Qualcomm chip and the NVIDIA chip together. And what this is for is the Qualcomm chip is more of like, they call it infotainment, where it's informing the users about the maps, the time, what music they're playing. And then entertainment is more like, you know, you can watch a show in the car or you can play a game in the car and that kind of thing. So I feel like uh, Qualcomm does infotainment and then NVIDIA has really a powerful, like, visual processing and all that kind of thing. So NVIDIA works on the self-driving aspect of it and Qualcomm works on the more infotainment aspect of it. And I feel like those two together is what companies like Volvo and all are adapting right now. One thing that Chris mentioned earlier was like a higher level autonomous vehicle. Um, so like, could you explain like what it means for like uh, a autonomous vehicle to be a like higher or lower, lower level? Yeah, so there's different there's different levels of autonomy. So right now, if you have like a super base model Tesla or just one upgrade, you can only follow the lanes and you can only like 
your hands have to be on the wheel and like you can't do certain turns and all that kind of thing but as you progress in the levels it becomes more and more autonomous where the driver doesn't even have to be like put their hands on the wheel or they don't have to do certain things so i feel like it's just the scale of how autonomous it is yeah and with these advancements with um qualcomm and nvidia's chips being implemented into autonomous vehicles i feel like this adds room for different brands such as Google and Amazon to integrate their features. So uh, Google, they made some software improvements which integrated vehicle software interfaces into their smartphones such as digital keys. And those could be shared with between your friends and family members. So you don't have to carry a physical key in your hand. You could just have it on your phone. And Amazon, they're working on the car entertainment system. So they're trying to add a fire TV inside of their vehicles. So let's say you're going on a road trip, people in the back, they can just view the large screen on the Tesla and just have a movie running on that. Yeah, and the thing with the digital car keys, I feel like it's a really good feature because a lot of the time, a parent may be outside of the house and the kid is requesting to use the car because they can you know, suddenly drive as a teenager. And if the key is gone, if the parent has taken the key outside of the house, I feel like a digital key is just extremely convenient for a parent to allow access to their kid's car. Um, and I feel like that's just really useful. We've never seen that before. One thing this adds is a safety issue because anyone could have your phone at the time or open your phone or open the app and they could essentially have access to both your phone and also your car. So how do you think this will play out? For this kind of issue, well, only time will tell, but hopefully people will keep their phones to themselves and keep everything secure. So hopefully we're not gonna see any of that issue, but yeah, I mean, a lot of privacy issues have occurred with similar products like even air tags have privacy issues that are being fixed. There's another issue that could occur is like, uh, if it's like, if your car is basically tied to your phone at that point, um, like what if your phone battery dies, what if you lose your phone or your phone like breaks, then you're also, you also lost your car, like essentially until you um, can find a way to unlock it. So I think like uh, people that are planning to use a car key features should still have like physical keys if possible, mm -hmm. um, just like as a backup measure. Yeah, I feel like this is more of just your, what, ease someone's way of living. Like, they'll probably still have your car keys, but instead of taking it out in your pocket and putting it in the car itself, you're just able to open it, like, from home, and your car's in the garage, you're just able to open it from your phone and control it through that. Right, exactly. So, the thing, the thing to remember here is that, uh, this is, yeah, like you were saying, it's just for your own comfort. So they definitely shouldn't do away with uh, physical keys just because mm -hmm. it's the best back there. But this just makes it a little bit more convenient. It's not replacing anything. It's just increasing quality of life. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's just for ease of use. Because even now, Tesla, they have, obviously, they have the app. And then they have a physical car key. And then they also have a card to unlock your car. So there's numerous different ways to unlock the car. And I just feel like the app and your phone is just a really, uh, just a convenience kind of thing. It's not really the main way to unlock your car. 
Yeah, speaking on your ease of use and a person's comfort, there were quite a bit of health and wellness improvements. The first one that I noticed was Movano's fitness ring and health tracker. So this one, they're still waiting on FDA's approval, but they're able to track exercise and sleep and also provide medical grade readings. And the ring's main selling feature is specifically to those with diabetes. So this ring claims to monitor diabetes through different glucose levels in blood and also measure your blood pressure. So how do you think this will work out in the market? Yeah, I think this is some truly cutting edge stuff. Like this. this might um this might be the future in a first world country. I mean, obviously in countries where people cannot afford this kind of stuff, this is certainly not viable. But in places where people are lucky enough to be able to afford these kinds of things, this could replace uh for example, having to go to the doctor if you want to check. It could be able to evaluate it. Uh, you might be able to be evaluated at home instead of having to go to the doctor. So this is certainly something that. I think we will see in the future. Yeah, I definitely agree. And it's like, it's all coming full circle because with COVID, we've had a lot of uh, telehealth options because, you know, people really can't go outside if they have COVID. So they can, you know, try telehealth and try to like get diagnosed by a doctor over, you know, any video call application. And obviously there are products like this, like the Aura Ring or Fitbit. And while these give general readings, people don't, people don't take this for seriously, like medical grade advice. But the thing about Movano is they're actually pursuing FDA approval to give serious medical grade advice. And, you know, they even have like sensors to back this up because this ring, it uses radio frequency sensors rather than, you know, optical sensors that other uh, watches and other rings use. And because optical sensors usually have problems with, you know, darker skin tones. And this has a lot more powerful sensors. So I feel like them pursuing real medical grade information could lead to that future in first world countries you were talking about. Yeah, and another thing that I saw, um, Senglad, they made a they made a smart health monitoring light, and this is essentially a light bulb which claims to track body temperature, heart rate, sleep quality, and biometrics of people in the room. I don't really get how this will work out as it's a screw and light bulb, but apparently they're saying it can track if someone has fallen asleep and it's in need of assistance. So my guess would probably be that if they can view someone is in need of assistance, they can notify the person in the app. Yeah, well, there's there's a huge pro and a huge con to this kind of technology because I have friends where their grandparents live separately from them, right? And if they install this light bulb, you can see, you know, if something bad happens and, you know, your grandparents slip or they fall or something happens, you can easily see with this light bulb and it'll notify you in an instant. But again, the thing is, say you invite guests over to your house and like, do the guests really consent to give their health information to you? Because you can obviously mm-hmm. have access to anyone in the room. So it's it's like a dilemma we, we should consider. <laughs> Right, I think it's kind of similar to how security cameras are. Like, uh, it has the pros and cons. So the pros is that obviously increased security. It can help with if someone gets injured, you know what happened. And then cons is the same one here, which is it could be a privacy violation. So that is something that we're gonna have to think about in the future. But for now, I think it's definitely really useful as long as, uh, yeah, I think the main thing is that you shouldn't 
use this on people where they don't know it's being used on them because otherwise it's violating their privacy. Exactly. And the last thing that I noticed was Whipping's full body scan device. So this is essentially a glass platform that you stand on and you pull a sensor up to your entire body, to your head, and this will detect your vascular heart rate, your health, and body composition. Yeah, and again, as I mentioned previously, this is kind of progressing that future towards telehealth where you don't really have to go to the doctor unless it's absolutely necessary. And especially, I feel like this will blow other competitors out of the market because I know Fitbit has their own uh, scale that works with uh, their wristware and works with all of their subscription services. But I feel like this gives you so much more information. It can just completely dominate the market, I feel. Yeah, exactly. It says it's supposed to measure your sweat gland functions and see if your nerves are working properly, as well as your heart health. So people really wouldn't have to step outside to go to a hospital or physician unless it's truly necessary. They can check their own health at home and make sure they're okay. An important factor, though, is like the pricing, um, because it might be like another subscription service. And like if people are unable to afford it, then it might just be more efficient to like actually just go to the doctor like um occasionally it's like how much like how much does this thing cost a full body scanner as of now i don't think they released a price range they just said that this is something that they're testing out and it will probably be released late 2022 so as long as i believe it isn't above i would say around three four hundred dollars is an accurate price range but as long as it isn't extremely high or the subscription cost isn't too much, I feel like this will be a pretty useful device. No, but I agree. Like, Aryan brings up a really good point because how much money is really worth, like, not going to a doctor's appointment for? But the other side of it is I feel like this product is more, uh, you know, targeted towards, you know, people that are more at risk, that people who want their information every day, you know, people with people who are diabetic or who have certain infections or really overweight people who are you know on the edge kind of people those people really need their information every day and i feel like that's why this would be useful but i agree with rm because for normal you know relatively healthy people all these measures of you know health wouldn't really make an impact on them yeah exactly yeah so overall ces ces 2022 brought about a lot of really innovative technological advancements in the eyewear industry. They brought about home advancements along with automotive and health and wellness improvements. And uh, finally, I'd like to give a, a thank you to all of our audience members for listening to this podcast, and especially to our guests, Aryan and Sattvic, for attending and giving their valuable insight. Thank you, and we'll see you in the next one.